Welcome to the All of You podcast. It is my pleasure and an honor to have you here. We have a long relationship and going back to 2017, 2016, 17, um, both personal and professional. And I know that you are now a, a aficionado expert in the realm of sleep. And this is the final pillar of health that I've been talking about on the All of You podcast. And I thought, there is nobody better to speak to with regards to this topic than yourself. And so you will know about the five pillars of health because they are still the same foundational pillars that we are based our health transformation program on back in the day. So it's sleep, stress, resilience, movement, um, nutrition, and, and mindset. So um, we've got a lot of history to cover here as well as a lot of gems and knowledge on and sleep but first of all i just want to say thank you for coming on and um and uh yeah how is how is it all going yeah thank you so much for, for having me on the podcast brother we go back we go so far back um you know back in the days when we laid the foundations i guess for how we both practice now i think it's such a beautiful thing to see the direction that you've taken all of this the podcast the emphasis on these five pillars and on bringing that holistic and uh, kind of contemporary education to people to help them support themselves real real primary healthcare as we used to say back in the day when a patient yeah. is empowered to look after themselves that's right that's right and um just a little bit of background so we was it 2017 or 20 i think it was 20 2018 no 2017 we set up the the 31 day health transformation program right I and think it was then and 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 this was really pivotal for my career because uh, and i still tell people today the impact of that um, what we called the illumination diet, not the elimination diet, the impact of that on our participants was quite profound. You know, that the changes that we saw in just 31 days, you know, people coming off long-term pain medications, antidepressant medications, reducing knee pain, reducing premenstrual symptoms. It was quite phenomenal to see how this in inverted commas lifestyle medicine was changing people's lives and keeping them away from the ravages of the conventional allopathic medical healthcare system, and um, and that's really changed my um, focus as a as an osteopath. So I my naturopathy now is, is front and center of what I do. And here here in Dubai, I brought all of the skills that you know I honed with you, and I, we've set up a metabolic health transformation program. I'm now doing personalized exercise therapy. I I, I use all of the the resources that we created um, for, for, for most of my patients. So I've got to say thank you, man, because otherwise I think I would probably be, you know, your typical osteopath doing a bit of personal training and maybe having a few um, sound bites in nutrition. But because of what we experienced in the community of Guernsey, watching these people transform their health, it's re it really sent me on a, on a different journey and, and I've become a much better in an all-encompassing practicing for that so big respect to you daniel white and then you are still flying the flag more so in the in the realm of um sleep and uh what you call quantum health as well right or circadian health so tell us a little bit more um about your personal journey first of all to becoming a health coach but also more specifically to becoming an expert on sleep yeah thanks ricky i can just echo so much of what you said and mirror back to you you know the time that we spent together um, beginning to develop a, a foundation for how we understand uh, health holistically and how we apply that to our, our patients, our clients, the people that we love, the people that we care for, um, was just an incredible uh, kind of set of stepping stones for me, really, um, which put me in the direction of, of the sleep and circadian and, and quantum biology science, um, which I know I speak a little bit more to. Um, I guess, you know, my, my journey um, began in my youth um, unknowingly 
from the age of about 13 or 14 to the age of about 17 or 18. You may remember this about me, but the listeners won't know that I was um, quite an unhealthy kid. You know, I spent a lot of time um, in front of technology, addicted to computer gaming, eating very beige and bland foods, not moving enough, not getting enough sunlight. All of the things that I, I warn against these days, um, you know, that was part and parcel of, uh, of my youth. Um, I often say to people, you know, I was, I was one of the children, one of the only children I knew that spent so much time, um, you know, in front of technology and disconnected from nature and disconnected from society and community as a child um, because some of the challenges that I had. And I guess um, age 17, 18, um, beginning to kind of spend more time in community again in, in colleges, the kind of view of going to university, I, I put it upon myself to, to start to improve my health. And then that was really the beginning of my journey, I guess, coming up to 12, 13 years ago now. Um, we met probably about halfway through that journey. Um, I took degrees in psychology. I always laugh and say that that one taught me a lot about how not to treat people. And I'm sure you can appreciate, you know, some of the conventional, some of the conventional uh, approaches to, um, you know, pharmaceuticals, um, talk therapy. Not that these things don't have a place and a space, right? But um, a real lack of comprehension for the impact that, like, the environment um, that the mind-body connection has on us and, and such like that. I, I went on to study a masters in uh, nutrition and behavior, so really going from you know completely ignoring the impact of, of food on mood and behavior into a, a degree that really specialized in it. My masters, and, and whilst there are a lot of principles for my traditional conventional nutrition education that I didn't bring forward. What I did develop was a really deep grounded understanding of the scientific method, which was, you know, fundamental for me to, to move forward. Um, and around the time that we met, probably 2016, 2017 is when I was really getting deep into the weeds of functional medicine. So beginning to understand, um, you know, this, this mind, body, spirit connection, internal, external environment, how these things relate to our health. I, had my own health challenges uh, to contend with, you know, a lot of very disordered eating habits when I was young, um, you know, quite severe allergies, uh, eczema, um, issues with weight, issues with energy, issues with mood, anxiety, depression. Um, and stumbling across functional medicine was like really the first time I stepped outside of the box of the conventional understanding and began to appreciate uh, many of the factors that we explored, you know, with the, the clients that we worked with, whether it was illumination, elimination diets or uh, meditation, expressing gratitude, regular daily movement, um, connection to nature and sunlight. These things really began to you know, develop on, on my radar at that time. And it was reflected in, in the way that we held people and the way that we, we kind of took them. Um, and then you left, man. And then you left me. And um, when you left, um, I kind of went through a bit of a dark night of the soul, like I guess, um, just for the context of the people on the podcast, you know, Ricky didn't physically leave me he decided to to move countries and the the work that we were doing together really lived on but it became a lot more difficult because back then not everybody was so connected through technology you know this is this is pre-pandemic you know there wasn't zoom workshops more than there was in real life workshops and, and all that sort of thing and, and so when we went our separate ways I, I guess i kind of um spent a period of time trying to make things work as a nutritionist again but i realized that i couldn't step back into the old me which was you know somebody who just focused on on the impact of, of food of my clients because I'd been awoken to this entire new understanding of how you know mind body spirit and, and mind body medicine impacted people and and so I went into the the realms of becoming a health coach and I did that through uh, qualifying with the functional medicine coaching academy so I did that that was a that was a year-long certification which really allowed me to 
begin to develop my communication skills with people and understand that, you know, whilst it's great to have expertise and knowledge that you can share with people, it's even better when you know how to communicate and how to understand them and how to um, encourage and, and lead them or guide them on a journey to, to self-improvement, right, and self-development. And so I became very passionate about that. Um, and at the same time, I, I, was, I was struggling a little bit, again, with my own sleep. So... I was kind of burning the candle at both ends, you know, trying to to make certain aspects of business work and going through relationship troubles. And I, I decided to take a little bit of time off. And, and during that time off, I stumbled across um, a few researchers who were exposing me to information that I now take as, you know, uh, second nature, right? But it was around the idea of our, our internal biological rhythms and and the impacts of light exposure and, and technology and um, electromagnetism, which are still, you know, very fringe or considered, um, well, you know, Western topics um, from divorce from allopathic medicine, divorce from functional medicine. And a few small changes, I'm sure we'll talk about some as we, as we go on with the podcast, really absolutely transformed my life. Um, and so I, I found a kind of a new niche, a new passion that I could relate to in my youth as kind of the beginning of my challenges in my journey, you know, interactions with technology, light or sleep, things like that. It was kind of like coming full circle for me to understand that, oh, there's this new emerging science of everything that I did wrong as a teenager. And, you know, from a 30,000 foot view, which is kind of how I always like to try and understand health and society and future and past. And I could see that, you know, the entire world is moving in this direction, still moving in this direction. Uh, that's leading to poorer sleep and poorer health as a result of challenges with our with our environment and so um i came became very passionate about that and i founded uh, my organization sleep better live better um alongside it our our charitable foundation and began conducting research um, training for large organizations globally and um, research within schools and such like that so that's kind of the path that i'm on now all inspired by 31 day health transformation which um feels like a lifetime ago now yeah yeah i mean um i remember you saying when we used to give the um introductory presentations and and you would you would say that you know if if all if, if if exercise nutrition mindset and stress resilience are pillars then sleep is the ground that those pillars are built upon so even back then in 2017 18 i had this i had this kind of uh, intuition that you found sleep to be probably one of the most if not the most important pillar of the pillars of health that we were we were we were trying to share with people um and so you know it's 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 been an amazing journey and as i said it's been quite informative and and super beneficial for me as a practitioner because it's made me far more flexible however you know we still get pigeonholed sometimes you maybe get pigeonholed as a nutritionist or a, you know a health coach and, and so you know i think healthcare has now opened up to the point where we can go down these rabbit holes of of, of specific areas Areas, um, especially in the realm of lifestyle medicine, and, and have a huge complementary impact because so many people are, uh, are number one suffering, but they're so out of alignment with their natural rhythms. And you probably remember I have this passion for the evolutionary wisdom, evolutionary, and um, you know, looking at health from an ev through an evolutionary lens. Um, and so maybe you could tell us about you know, what, yeah. how is modernity? really affecting and harming our health from the perspective of sleep because i've talked about it from a nutrition standpoint exercise standpoint technology standpoint just give us a few 
you know, kind of reasons as to why the modernity in the context of sleep is really destroying our health. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just to, to pull back one thing that you said there, um, it's interesting, isn't it, how we, we practice from the same lens. And um, all of the talks that I give in relation to sleep and all of the training, I always say, you know, there are there are two opening quotes. Um, one of them is that, you know, anything that makes sense biologically has to be understood in, in sense of evolution. Because as we've been walking on this earth as homo sapiens, you know, 99.9% of the time that we've existed, we, we lived outdoors. We lived amongst the, the fauna. We lived amongst the beaches, the jungles, the mountains, you know, which a region the latitude of the world um, you're from and then the other thing as I say is there's this gentleman called Walter Longo at UCLA and he says that the idea is to learn from evolution and to marry it with science and this is one of the problems that we have and you know, you'll know is that we've become very reductionist in how we approach these different areas of health and one of the, the things that I enjoy so much about my journey to better sleep and to understanding better sleep is that it encompasses everything that you've mentioned so far you know everything we ever practice and preach from you know what you eat when you eat to how you move when you move the intensity the timing of that movement to how we socialize how we wind down our connection to nature you know all of these sorts of things we could go on and on the list forever goes on um in relation to to modernity you know evolution um okay so the, the first thing to understand is that it's it's really a grain of sand on the beach of our evolutionary history that we've lived in these kind of modern societies that have been so connected um to technology and to kind of invading what you might call non-natural frequencies of electronics from these devices the bluetooth the 3g's 4g's 5g's wi-fi uh, you know, televisions, laptops, iPads, smart TVs, smart fridges, smart heating, you know, everything is exploding now at an exponential rate. And um, but prior to that, you know, we were we were a simple people. You know, we lived out in nature, we were exposed to the natural elements to which we became resilient through different seasons. We were exposed to full spectrum natural light, which was unfiltered. You know, there was no glass in between our um, our bedding place and the, the natural world. There was no cars. There was no, um, you know, places that we locked ourselves in, inside of, temperature-controlled homes, etc. And I understand in places like Dubai, that's very important because living out in the desert um, was probably a little bit more difficult than maybe living out in the in the colder climates where I'm uh, spending my time at the moment. And But the fact is, you know, we, we were connected to nature 24-7, whether that's the fact that our feet were grounded on the earth, absorbing what we call the Schumann resonance or being grounded or earth, which has, you know, natural um, kind of bioenergetic effects on our cells to keep us relaxed and focused, alert and energized. And, you know, we whisk all that away and now we live, a lot of us do, in these built-up cities and civilizations where we're around tons of artificially constructed light sources, um, which, you know, whilst the miracle, for example, the invention of electricity and light, um, probably looking back about 120 or 130 years ago now, um, unfortunately, we had no idea for the contraindications of the, the qualities of the light that, was, that we were developing and the impacts that that would have on our um, previously um, kind of orchestrated by nature uh, internal rhythms and things like that. And when you begin to, to understand that, you know, the most major uh, determinants of our sleep and our um, bioenergetic or our cellular health is our environment. You know, we begin to look at epigenetics and the fact that it's not the, the genes that, um, you know, control health. They may load the gun, but it's the environment that pulls the trigger. And then you start to understand there's been this massive shift and transformation in our environment. And some people are aware of that and take the steps that they need to to manage the contraindications. Some of us are still blissfully unaware and suffering massively as a result. But, you know, that, that whisking away from being in nature, being under full spectrum natural light darkness at night time you know just stars and moonlight and firelight into artificially lit homes um, you know artificially generated um, temperatures within homes masses of technology these things have, have so decoupled us or uncoupled us um, from you know our symbiosis with nature and by far in my opinion 
uh, not the only nuanced uh, factor when it comes to sleep, but the largest affecting, you know, global society. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've said so much there. And when we look at, uh, in general, we could say that, that the further away from, from nature and our natural environments and rhythms that we stray, the unhealthier we become. Um, and I think that we've taken modernity as a real sign of progress, which it is. You know, uh, you know, we, we've 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 mastered many things. Uh, we've and I think for, for centuries we've had this obsession of mastering nature as well. Um, but I think we've also thrown the baby out with bathwater by creating these these modern modern urban environments of comfort and convenience, um, which are stripping away the need for us to actually you know encounter and interact with some of these fundamental um, you know kind of these these fundamental rhythms, um, experiences, forces, the things you know whether it's sunlight, whether it's cold, whether it's um, you know, the, uh, uh, stressful exercise, or whether it's um, you know food uh, or food deprivation or calor calorific deprivation. You know, these hormetic stresses, and and I've talked about hormesis before. This concept of you know exposing ourselves to um, you know controlled environments or controlled experiences of discomfort, and the you know the the, the benefit, the disproportionate benefit that that has has on our health. Um, and so now you've got people actually looking for these hormetic stresses, looking to do ice baths looking to do you know radical heat exposure or fasting it's like people are now looking for that natural source of challenge or discomfort to improve their health so it is kind of coming full circle but i think it's just a little bit trendy at the moment you know for a lot of people but we're now seeing this you know well some may call it an epidemic i call it pandemic of sleep deprivation that, that is having you know numerous and uh, negative effects on our health so and um, what are some of the most common symptoms and health issues that you encounter as a result of poor quality sleep sure um i, I mean i can share a ton of those and, and i'll put it into some context in a moment uh, just one thing i want to share and to to highlight one of the points you made before we go on is that um, i think it's been very interesting especially since we practiced together over the last seven or eight years to see this explosion in in trends uh, within the health and well-being industry like it's now trendy to be gluten-free and dairy-free and um, thankfully I think the trend is moving away from veganism uh, back towards a more regenerative diet we might say you know more and more organic more more seasonal more natural um, and there's also this trend towards um, what you might call the the health tech or the biohacks you know the ice baths the, the saunas the the PEMF mats you know all of these sorts of things the red light therapy I mean I've got one of these big um, panels behind me now but what hasn't caught full trend yet and what I'm trying to <laughs> bring back to the masses is this understanding that um, you know, we used to say that a chair is only as strong as its weakest leg. Okay. So you have your nutrition, your exercise, your movement, your mindset, and your resilience, stress, you know, breathing, all of these things that we can use to establish the integrity of that chair. But the question is, you know, um, is the chair sitting on the right ground? Because if you're sitting on the side of a mountain, it's rocky, the chair's never going to stand up straight. And that's like the real basis and principles. And, and to me, that's our connection to nature every single day. You know, that's our establishment of our circadian rhythms through the correct light exposure. And that's our physical um, connection like electrical connection to the earth and our ability to maintain the integrity of our cells energy production because we have this constant electrical connection to the source of, of all power right all life on earth you know is, is dictated by the sun and, and by the forces of electromagnetism and we can do as much as we want in the spheres of you know nutrition movement health and we can biohack and optimize and we can fast for long periods we can do all this amazing stuff and it all has a place right um for many people but if we're fundamentally missing that connection with being outdoors you know to counteract the effects of 
better in being indoors than, than where it's a really steep hill or, you know, a really jaggedy cliff that that, that chair um, really sits on. And I see it affects people in so many different ways, you know. Um, I would say that sleep is a continuum. Okay, People say, you know, I sleep well or I sleep poorly. I've done it this way for, for 30 years. There's, there's no changing me. Um, but the fact is that people live on this continuum like health, you know, sleep quality, sleep uh, consistency, sleep quantity. You can be up in the higher end. So I, I probably consider myself to be like a, a 75 or 80 percent quality sleeper. Some might think, oh, you know, you're the sleep guy. Do you not get 100 percent quality sleep every night? And of course not. There are factors in my environment, you know, um, that are outside of my control at the moment. And there are factors internally within me, you know, stress, um, triggerings, things like that that happen that impact my sleep quality. But I've done a lot of work to educate myself to push myself up. You know, previously I thought I was a good sleeper, but I would have said I was in the 50 percent camp. And I think most people are in that kind of like 30 to 60 percent. And we may only flag sleep as a problem if we drop below that 30 percent. But the majority of the, the population, because of this inability to um, understand the necessary things you need to do every day to get these rhythms, you know, more broadly speaking, as opposed to just sleep in order, people are experiencing ADHD-like symptoms, right? Inability to focus, concentrate, mind jumping all over the place, emotions are, you know, dysregulated up and down a lot of the time. And maybe you're experiencing cravings for certain foods. You're having energy peaks and troughs throughout the daytime. And you're not feeling motivated when you wake up in the morning. You're, you're requiring caffeine to get you going, you know, throughout the day. And maybe you're using sedatives, uh, depending on which country you are. You know, certain ones may be legal, illegal, um, to bring you down at the other end of the day, right? And that's, you know, a sign to me that your energy management, your energy production is is not working properly. Um, but then, you know, you start to go down further on the scale below the 50%. And people start to have real issues, you know, with um, keeping their mood stable, you know, with colleagues, family members, children, the partner, those sorts of things. And we start to see like a, a correlation between this uh, circadian 24-hour biological rhythm disruption and reductions in sleep quality with all chronic disease. So probably the things you see in the clinic, you know, the diabetes, uh, obesity, heart disease. And what's been really scary, I think, is an explosion in um, what, what we in the modern world are calling um, like um, atypical neurological behaviors. You know, we, we all seem to be developing them in the modern world. Um, whether we've got slight ADHD-like symptoms or slight symptoms of what um, by some clinician might be called autism or, you know, social challenges, things like that. Um, and I just see this as like a, a rapid growth and um, de-evolution, I guess, um, of the of the human form as a result of our inability to to manage sleep and these and these rhythms. Because when we don't sleep well enough, um, you know, it's impossible to put that that fire of inflammation out within the body. Um, so it's, it's a real, um, you know, sway of things um, down to the worst sleepers who, you know, are really struggling with their, with their mental health, their physical health, putting on weight rapidly experiencing you know severe chronic pain and such like that and what i like to say to people though when we're talking about sleep is the great thing is that we can all learn how to do it better <laughs> so wherever you are in that continuum it's like health we can all turn the dial up you know with with knowledge and empower ourselves with new behaviors and new environments to to improve on those things yeah yeah absolutely but uh, one thing that i remember a, a, a great saying by uh it was and i think it was either plato or hippocrates he was saying his, his maxim was before you heal somebody you must ensure that they are willing to give up the things that are making them sick. And I think in the modern world, what we're seeing is this barrage of, um, I wouldn't even say pseudo-addictive, I would say addictive stimuli, substances, um, activities that are really robbing us of our focus, attention, and our sleep. So whether it is social media, whether it is caffeine, whether it is a natural light, we've got all of these modern, um, you know, kind of uh, inputs that are 
kind of you know that they're, they're detracting from our our ability to sleep and yes many of us know what we should do but there just seems to be a lot of disempowerment and overwhelming and maybe helplessness learned helplessness in people thinking well I, you know i just i just don't get tired i, I you know i've got work to do i've uh, you know i've uh, i've got a family i've got the so the, i wouldn't call them all excuses because they're a lot of them are valid uh, but at the same time there seems to be so many competing interests and i think this is quite frightening that one of the biggest social media engines or platforms, um, I think a couple of their guys were talking in a boardroom saying that their only competition is sleep. <laughs> their only competition. That's yeah, the ne- Netflix one, I think. <laughs> What's that, sorry? I think that was the Netflix CEO, if I remember reading that rightly. I read it in Johan Hari's um, book, uh, Lost. Um, Stone and Focus. Yeah, yeah, good book, very good book. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're you're completely right. Um, I think the the thing is that people need to understand is that um, you know we all have the um, evolutionary machinery that can lead to us feeling inspired, focused, concentrated, effective, valuable, loving, happy, and content human beings. But quite often, it's our environment and our, our behavioral choices. And quite often, we even as health practitioners, I think, are guilty of emphasizing the behavioral aspects and the choices that we make and without understanding the latest science of how like environmentally we're hedging our bets against ourselves and by these kind of, um, you know, modern technologies a lot of it being technology based um, and light based that, that's kind of coming in so i often say to people um, a lot of people would say they know what they should do to sleep better but it's kind of an unfair fight unless you're equipped with the, the knowledge to empower yourself as to how to defend yourself perhaps against some of the choices that we want to make as modern human beings because as you said you know um the fact is that our attention is the most prized asset of any company even you and i right now we're vying for the attention of people to educate them about health and well-being and um, but so is every other company so it's TikTok, Instagram, you know, whether it's LinkedIn, the algorithms of any application, you know, everybody pick your pick your poison, right? Everybody has their, their favorite tune out and kind of uh, tune in yeah. activity. Um, but once you start to educate people more deeply and fundamentally about, you know, the contraindications of that and what I like to describe as quite simple um, behaviors that we can perform and um, to still enjoy those things, you know, to, to not absolutely have to um, shift our entire life and move back into the jungle or, you know, div- div- divorce ourselves from technology. Like, like yeah, I know he did in that book. I think he went on like a, a three-month telephone fast, didn't he? And well, I, I do twenty-four hours every weekend, and that feels good. So I, I can only imagine that he would have felt incredible. Um, but that's not where, where most modern human beings are at. And so it's about meeting people where where we're at, helping them to understand um, the things that the the big tech giants aren't telling you. Um, and you know, from there you can make more informed decisions. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it is quite shocking when you do actually when you are exposed to the level of precision and expertise that we are working against you know i see on the other side of, of your instagram uh feed there is a team of scientists just trying to keep you <laughs> uh keep you locked in um on the other side of that packet of chips or whatever it is there is a food scientist who are just trying to keep you eating you know so it's we're not we're not just working against some benevolent um you know capitalist driven products we're working against teams of experts behavioral uh food science 
science tech who are literally trying to keep us locked in. So, you know, we could have all the knowledge in the world, but when it comes down to it, um, yeah, we, we, we need self-compassion in this, in this arena for sure. Now, as an osteopath, mm -hmm. um, we, you mentioned earlier about some of the symptoms um, that, that, that come across on this spectrum of sleep deprivation. I often see many people, well, most people with aches and pains, um, and many of them tell me when I ask them about sleep, you know, they're, they're getting to sleep at one, two in the morning, getting up at seven, eight. Um, and I know there are varying figures as to what is the, uh, you know, what is the optimal um, time for, for, for quality sleep. But we'll get into that in a minute. But, you know, I'd love to know, is, do you know of any connection between things like inflammation and pain, pain tolerance, uh, you know, recovery from, 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 you know, kind of back pain, knee pain, all these traumatic incidents and sleep? Whoa, whoa, how does poor sleep inhibit or exacerbate things like inflammation, pain, and, um, and, and uh, injuries? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting because a lot of the things that cause poor sleep um, are directly linked to like an increase in inflammation or a kind of turning off of the body's natural healing mechanisms and responses. So, for example, you know, not spending time out in, in natural light, which is um, a natural way to induce like an opioid response in the body to reduce pain or to be grounded to the earth, which we know reduces cortisol and you know decreases pain. There's a lot of evidence and science out there demonstrating that. But the problem is when we start to spend more time in, indoors and we're sleep deprived and we're consuming caffeine and we're spending time on technology or um, you know strenuous tasks, may I say, like you know working lives, raising children, all of those sorts of things, then we get caught up in this kind of um, sympathetic nervous system, you know, state of activation. And the problem is when our body thinks that there is constantly a threat in our environment, and then these uh, kind of mechanisms relating to inflammation that they never they never really cease and, yeah. and when we're not getting enough sleep we're not able to um really spend enough time in those deeper states of sleep especially you know most people are sleeping five to seven and a half hours a night say for the average person but the the proportion of the time spent in deep sleep rapid eye movement sleep two of the more restorative phases is is reduced a lot compared to you know 100 years ago people may have only slept the same amount of time but the quality and the depth of that sleep is something entirely different and when you spend more time in those those states of sleep you're in a more what we call parasympathetic or rest and digest state and you're able to create more resiliency in your nervous system against you know the impending stresses of every day so not being slept um, in terms of quantity and in terms of quality just means that we're you know acting to having a stress response activated all of the time um, and the problem is you know we have uh, molecules in our brain uh, one's called POMC and based on the environment um, POMC is cleaved into different hormones or different neurotransmitters right and in, a, in an environment where we're surrounded by technology artificial lights and stress uh, POMC is cleaved into um, like adrenaline and cortisol right so that keeps us in this fight or flight induced state and because when we're in that state of stress you know our primary um, kind of driver is in survival so it's in dealing with the challenges you know it's in uh, overcoming the stress and you know doing what we need to do to get through that stress but that exacerbates the stress and so pain and inflammation you know never gets a chance for those those pathways to be turned off mm. whereas what I see in people who not necessarily and this is a really important thing for the audience to understand you don't necessarily need to sleep longer to see an improvement in inflammation and pain in relation to your quality of your recovery because if you um, you know like your environment in the right ways if you spend more time outside grounding in natural light the body can produce more natural like opioids we produce more um, products such as melatonin uh, which is not only just producing in the brain at night which helps us to get to sleep and increases things like apoptosis um, and autophagy within cells so kind of like real cleaning of old you know out aged cells you know program cell death making way for new life within our nervous system all the time instead of running on these old kind of deading cell programs and um, but we also 
see its production in the skin and in the mitochondria in response to like light during the daytime. So when we connect more with nature, we may not necessarily see a shift in our sleep quantity to begin with, but it's about that quality piece. And then we can begin to improve quality, things like pain, inflammation, such like that go down. And I've experienced it myself. Um, uh, about two years ago, I had multiple uh, compound fractures to my spine um, after a, a rock climbing incident. Um, and to begin with, you know, my, my sleep quality was was awful, not helped, unfortunately, by, by some of the pain medications. But in moving towards a, a more natural approach to supporting my pain um, through kind of natural nutritional approaches, through, um, you know, through cold exposure, through heat exposure and things like that. And not only did my, my quality of sleep improve from there on in, but so did my pain. And, and it kind of has that that kind of, um, you know, self-promoting cycle. So I think a lot of people right now are, are stuck in a familiar state, you know, a familiar state of stress. We wake up in the morning. Oh, I got crap sleep again. Oh, there's my pain again. Oh, there's my job or my things I need to do. There's that cup of coffee that we drink. And there's the routine that we get into of the, you might call it the treadmill or the rat race or whatever. And, and if we don't step off of that to have moments of of, of connection with nature and, and light and such like that and we stay trapped within that and so our pain just becomes a familiar response that becomes more hardwired into our brain every day and yeah. so that was a bit of a long-winded uh, response to your question but i think that kind of is a few rabbit holes to get on there thank you for listening and you can continue listening to the second part of this episode on the all of you podcast